Well, Lord, we invite you in. Father, we just ask that uh, you continue to be the one that is the teacher in Renew. Father, that all these things that we speak about from the front, Father, may they only be what you have given us. Holy Spirit, that you are the one that are just connecting the dots and you are the one that are actually going to use our words, your words, uh, to feed each of our hearts. So, Father, we want to commit this time to you. We want to ask that you be the one by your strength leading it. And, Father, that you will just come and surround your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. All right. So, uh, I've got to say I was really uh, connected to Andrew's message last week uh, when he really just gave us this picture of the Sabbath being a time of, of unlearning the ways of Egypt. Uh, and by the ways of Egypt, what we mean is the ways of the world. You know, in the context of the Sabbath in, the, in, in history, it was that time where the, the people of Jerusalem, the people of Israel took time away so that they could just refocus on God in the way that God called them to live. And, and really, this gave me a, a really, well, I was just very grateful very grateful for that picture of, of seeing the importance of the Sabbath to unlearn and disconnect from the ways that perhaps the Egypt that's surrounding me is, is just pulling me along at the moment. Deciding and making it a priority to take stock, right, of where my life is, seeing if it's in line with the will of God, and, and really just relearning those unforced rhythms of grace that he has for us. Right to free us from the way the world does things, I, I actually came across this uh, this quote from Eugene Peterson, uh, which I thought summed it up quite nicely. If you don't take a Sabbath, something is wrong. You're doing too much. You're being too much in charge. You've got to quit one day a week, and just watch what God is doing when you're not doing anything. But it's pretty hard sometimes, right? <laughs> just to be the one that just sits and watches. And perhaps we have fallen into this worldly trap of allowing other masters to be what we picture when we're, you know, going through life. Perhaps it's one of these pictures. Perhaps it's the nagging wife or the angry mother-in-law, by the way. Quick disclaimer, I have neither of those, so I'll make that very clear straight away before I get in trouble. But it could be the, the, the demanding boss, you know, the, 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 the massive workload. Um, it could be, you know, a pile of cash. You know, a pile of cash could be your, your Lord leading your thoughts and your desires at the moment. Or it could be that uh, gaming skin the one you all desire in the game to collect and spend your hours trying to collect, right? But these things, you know, when we get sucked in life, they kind of become the new leader, isn't it? And, and our desires are being drawn to it. Uh, or even society, you know, I was, I was reading also a couple of days ago about uh, Andrew Thorberg, right? Uh, and the same with me, you know, uh, he was unknown to me until this happened because it was all part of this strange sport that you call AFL here. But he was appointed the new CEO of Essendon Football Club, 
uh, and it was a big deal. And he described it as being one of the proudest moments in his life. But not a day later, he resigned, stating, and I quote from him, Today it became clear to me that my personal Christian faith is not tolerated or permitted in the public square. I was being required to compromise beyond a level that my conscience allowed. Despite my own leadership record, within hours of my appointment being announced, the media and leaders of our community had spoken. They made it clear that my Christian faith and my association with the church are unacceptable in our culture if you wish to hold a leadership position in society. What a sad picture of the Egypt that we're surrounded by right now. That's the mindset. Well, which makes the Sabbath even more important to get away from it. You know, without the Sabbath to switch that picture back to the one who said to us, come to me, all of you who are weary or burdened, for I will give you rest. Well, we will find ourselves driven by the worldly ways and perhaps really compromise on who we're called to be. Now, this may come as a huge shock to you, but as a pastor, I don't have it all together. <laughs> and if anyone says that they do most of the time, well, I've got to suggest to you that they're probably lying, right? I know there are seasons where absolutely we can be in what we feel is like a spiritual sweet spot. You know, when you're, you're going through a season of living and, and you're, you actually are living in the kingdom of God on earth now as it is in heaven. So I know it's attainable. I've been there. You know, for me, one of the greatest memories I have of that is when God just led us to start this community called Renew. You know, I, at every step, I, I just felt a peace. I felt his presence. I felt his desire being actioned in front of my eyes. And we were just part of the journey. And that is where we can be when we're really connected with the God who calls us to live his way. And so, you know, I have to confess, there are seasons when I struggle to, to be there. I struggle to reclaim my Sabbath. Going through times when I don't fully understand why God has me doing what he has me doing most of my time. But don't get me wrong, I do. I trust that he has a purpose in it. But you know, it's that season where sometimes you just can't seem to see with your mind's eye what it is. You know, things are a bit cloudy. Have you, have you experienced that season before? You know, when you just don't know what to think or say. You know, that your mind sometimes just draws a blank when you're trying to hear the things of God for your life. Where he wants you. His purpose in it. You know, you go through this kind of wilderness, you know. And equally, in that headspace, you also struggle in that desire to seek him. Hey, I'm being honest here. So there are going to be some frank questions. But for those of you who know me, well, you know I love you. And for those of you who don't know me well, I do love you. So, we love you. thank you. <laughs> so I'm being frank. Um, but, you know, when you think about those things which you are really interested in, you know, perhaps a relationship, a career, or a hobby, all of those things won't grow 
without a desire, isn't it? When you think about those things and what you do with something you're really interested in, don't you, don't you, you know, use every available moment that you have to discover more about it? You make time to read or listen and watch those YouTube self-help videos, right? You buy all the resources so that you can study and learn how to do it. So with a heart that is desiring God, what would you be doing? We will want to know about him, right? We will want to find out all there is about him. We want to read about him. We want to then imitate what he does in that heart that is desiring God. So part of this journey today is really asking you that question honestly. Are you in a space where you're desiring God? And you know, there's no, you know, you can't cover it up. You can't lie. He already knows, right? So the best place to begin is to be honest with yourself is to realize, well, perhaps not. Perhaps a season that Egypt has allowed, or I have allowed Egypt to drag me down, has kind of fizzled out that desire, that desire to really seek it. So ask honestly. But then can I say, from experience, you know, if you're there, well, get it. We all go through those seasons. But can I just say, don't let yourself stay out in the cold for too long, okay? Make a decision to rediscover the desire. And you can ask the Holy Spirit for it. The Holy Spirit will give that to you if you ask it. So begin there. Start there. And don't let yourself be out there for that roaming lion to nab, okay? And we should never think that we know all there is to know about a relationship with God. When I think about Renew, there's this phrase that is written under our logo at the top of our website uh, on Facebook. Can anyone tell me what that phrase says? Yes, there is always more, okay? And when we say that, we don't mean there's always more worship or there's more prayer, there's more preaching uh, or more people, but thank God there's more people. Or, or there's more tea or coffee or cake. Yes, there's always cake here everywhere. But that's not what we mean, right? What we mean when we're saying there's always more is that there is always more to discover in a relationship with Jesus. We will never in our lifetimes combined discover all there is to know about God. You know, in fact, we're told we will be worshipping and praising for 10,000 years and that won't cover it. But we need to have that understanding because I think that fuels desire as well. We can lose sight of that fact in our daily lives. We don't realise how much of God we are missing as we go through life head down, completing those to-do lists. And I know that I do that every week. You know, I'm working out here in the fields and it's beautiful, but my head's down and I'm missing the beauty of God as I'm working. 
I need my Sabbath to unlearn the ways of Egypt that are keeping me away from God. So I am seeking. I'm seeking God to show me the right way to do that right now. And it starts with that desire. So I have resolved in, uh, in recent weeks to simply turn to the word. And I, and I mean simply. Uh, I'm not, I didn't want to turn to it through some devotion with some topic that I thought might help. Uh, I didn't turn to it, you know, in that way where you scroll through it looking for particular words that, you know, you've kind of predetermined you need to hear, right? I just simply turned to the word with the only desire to meet Jesus and for him to reveal those things in my own heart that he knows I needed to hear, you know, without putting it in a box. I believe that the purest motive we can have for getting into the word is finding Jesus. You won't go wrong. So our message today was one that he walked me through as I was looking for him. When I was in a blank space. And there, with no other reason than wanting to find Jesus, this came together over the first six chapters of Luke. So I hope you're prepared for a long message. <laughs> but seriously, this is really a, a simple reminder. A simple reminder, but I hope a timely one. Because when the world is complicating things enough, there are times of simply reminding each other that it's not rocket science to have a relationship with God. It's something that God wants us to do. So knowing us, he knows to keep it simple. He knows that he just makes the way for us to be with him. And so, this is what we're going to get into. So that we don't kind of stay in Egypt at the moment, forgetting the way to go. So I'm praying simply just to be a signpost. A signpost along your road at the moment. That reminds you of a way to go so you can get back on track and find Jesus. Even when you're feeling consumed. And by the way, I love how I experienced God this way. I didn't know what Andrew was going to talk about last week, uh, but then when he spoke about, you know, the Sabbath and Egypt, I just got so excited because God gave me this message weeks ago. Uh, and I just love how the Holy Spirit just kind of knits things together, even when we don't realize that he's doing it. So that's something that uh, is so cool to me. But here then are some A verse uh, that we're going to go to. Uh, and, and just to be ready for someone to read that through. And I'm also going to say that don't get distracted by the content of that verse right now. Uh, don't overthink it. Uh, just uh, someone be prepared with zeal to read it. Uh, but I'm also, uh, he gave me something else this morning. So I'm also going to ask Linz if you could be prepared to read Luke chapter 1, 46 to 50. Okay. Um, so this isn't going to be kind of a compact set of verses it is a journey through really where he took me uh, as i was simply reading now why luke 
Well, I, I don't rightly know. <laughs> but what I do know is in my own heart, when I experience or when I'm in a space where I'm feeling that I've lost my way with Jesus, uh, I turn to Luke uh, as my biblical counselor friend. And I think sometimes it's because, um, well, he was a physician in his time. Uh, and he and his account of the, the life of Jesus was one that he wrote uh, with an audience in mind who were intellectual, who were educated, who, who were uh, uh, pursuing uh, to understand a life with God. Um, so he invites us in his account to discover and discover again a solid base so that we can have a lasting faith. So I just felt led to go back to Luke. And God in his faithfulness, uh, well, he gave me kind of what I'm referring to now as a signpost. Uh, he gave me the first signpost very quickly uh, in this reading journey, right in chapter one, um, before, you know, I got to the point where I said, no, nah, I you know, want to give up already. Um, so, and it was on the, uh, the visit of Mary to Elizabeth. So here in Luke chapter one, 39 to 44, we read, in those days, Mary arose uh, and went in haste to, to Judah, uh, and he entered, she entered the house of Elizabeth and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry what was revealed to her. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. For behold... When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And in here, in this particular section, the first signpost that he revealed was one where the Holy Spirit in others testifies to our spirit that Jesus is here. Now, we also see this occur with the priest um, Simeon and the prophetess Anna, uh, in Luke chapter 2, where filled by the Holy Spirit, they were also able to see Jesus, even while he was a baby, for who he was and is and is to come. Uh, and they gave thanks and spoke and pointed others to Jesus as well. But I just want to see if you can relate to this. You know, I get a, a tangible um, lifting in my spirit when I'm in the presence of, of other people filled with his spirit. Have you experienced that? Do you, do you know what I mean? There's a connection which is unspoken. Um, and I have a peace right now because of that. I, I don't like to be the guy standing up here. I never have been. But, you know, no matter how many... I, I just feel a sense of his peace because I look at you and I, I just feel a sense that God is here and God is with me. But I tell you, one of the most nerve-wracking nerve nerve times I've had recently was uh, during the interview for my current job. And that was only in front of three people. But for some reason, as I was preparing and waiting for that interview, I, I've just never been that nervous before. Uh, I was so apprehensive um, just coming before them. And I think in some ways it might be related to what Andrew Thornburg 
um, experienced himself because I was heading into that uh, interview with a very clear understanding that I was going to tell them I'm whatever decisions I make on this uh, in in this role I'm I'm going to put God first I want to put uh, I explained to them very clearly I, I'm part of a church community and the decisions that I'm going to make are going to put this before your job. And how many of us know that that's going to get you a job any day of the week in, in Egypt, right? So I was apprehensive, to say the least. And um, uh, I also really needed the job. So it was kind of a double whammy. But then I saw Debbie, Debbie Scutter. And uh, uh, she's not here, but she was part of the panel. But she came to collect me to, to go to the panel. And this is not going to go weird, this is not dodgy or anything like that. But when I saw Debbie and when Debbie was coming towards me, all I can say is that I, a sense of peace just returned into my spirit. And what I can describe that to be now, because of what I know in this journey, is that it was the spirit within her that reminded me that Jesus was there. Jesus is here. And this is what we're called to be in the family of God. We're called to be his light carriers. His light carriers that shine brightly. How brightly? Well, that's up to us individually. But it shines brightly to tell others, well, Jesus is here. You can find Jesus if you just seek him. And we point to him. In this journey where it can be difficult to find God, when we can feel disconnected, be in the presence of other light carriers who will help shine the way back to him. Deep reaches deep. His spirit in you will reach the spirit of others, including those that are lost on their journey. So let's be that, that first signpost which shines brightly pointing the way to Jesus. And that leads me to a second signpost or a second way. Okay, And it's not, so leave it there. I only, uh, it came to me this morning. I know how you love ad hoc. But I really felt to mention this one. Um, and it really was something that's been on our heart, I think, as a community, even with prayer group on Monday. Um, and really, if, if you could read what you've got, Lindsay, that would be great. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Now what that was, was what is referred to as the Magnificat, uh, which is the song that uh, uh, Mary felt compelled to sing after meeting with Elizabeth. And really what I just felt to remind us of uh, at this particular point was the aspect of praise which opens the door to finding Jesus. You know, I know that sometimes we all come from different backgrounds of worship. We all come from different 
spaces of, of what that can look like. But worship is so important to who we are as followers of Jesus. Worship opens our hearts to receiving him. It opens those floodgates. So even when he's here, you know, we've all been in this space where he can be right next to us, but totally closed. Well, can I just encourage you, and, and I'm really praying for our community as a whole as we move into another season. Let's open our hearts and worship and praise him because that is going to open a floodgate to receive him. Amen. Amen? So if you're struggling, and I know we do, Sunday mornings, you know, there's so much going on in our head. Maybe just reflect on the Magnificat. Magnificat, literally, the translated, where it's magnifying, exalting, it's glorifying God. But the message of the Magnificat was the one of hope. She sang of the hope that we now have because of Jesus. Right? And our community has been walking through a sad time at the moment. You know, we, we obviously know and about Joe, and we, we went through that journey. But there are five other people in our community who have passed away or connected to family members in our community recently. But I can tell you that I still walk through that season with hope because of the hope that Jesus gives me, because he came. And so when I praise, when you praise, if you're struggling to, to be here with hands open, just remember what he's done. Remember the hope that he gives us so that instead of walking in the way the world calls us to walk, we walk in a way of hope. And we never lose that. So, sorry, I just felt to speak into that. <laughs> but now we'll lead to the next signpost, which is uh, now three, and it's to go back to the Father's house. Now in Luke 2, uh, we read, having returned home uh, after being amazed, this is Mary and Joseph, after being amazed at what was said uh, about their newborn son, Jesus. He grows up uh, in Nazareth in strength and wisdom, and here we have just one story about his childhood. Uh, Jesus is 12 years old, and his family goes to Jerusalem for the Passover. Then in verse 43, we read, after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Now, families uh, traveled in large groups uh, to go to the Passover in those days, and it, it wasn't hard uh, to misplace a child. But before we get mad at his mum and dad, let's apply this to ourselves. Is it possible for you or me to attend a religious gathering, uh, to go to church, while we're there, we're all for Jesus. It's all about Jesus. But then we kind of exit those doors and we leave Jesus behind. If you're finding that you're, you're going home and you've left him behind, you know, you, you're not treating your family members the way that he would call you to treat them. You're not dealing with those challenging situations at work in the way that he would call you to deal with them. Or, or you're not putting yourself in the space of helping someone in need 
again, the way that Jesus would call you to do it. Well, then go back. Go back to where you last saw him. His parents go back to looking for Jesus in verse 46. And after three days, they find him. They find him. And what he says to them is, why were you searching for me? Why, in many ways, why were you wasting your time? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? When you've misplaced Jesus, when you're drawing a blank and can't find him in your heart or in your life, go back to find him in his father's house. It's amazing how many other places we can try looking for God. When, of course, as Jesus has said, he is always hanging out here. Go back to church. In spite of the challenges we as people can create at times, one thing is for sure. You'll always find Jesus here in his house. The third sign, fourth signpost um, is, well, yes, I know, it's because I added the other one. <laughs> Um, well, I think many of us should be able to guess. It, it is the word. But in particular, uh, I want to talk about... Oh, no, no, go back. Go... What? <laughs> but in particular, I want to talk about gems. Okay? Gems in the word that make you aware that you're in the presence of God. Now, as we were looking through uh, chapter 2, for example, uh, we read at the beginning of chapter 2, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken. And as many of you know the story, that census then caused uh, the, the family, Joseph and Mary, to have to go back to Nazareth. And, and for me, one of the gems in that story is the fact that God moved the entire Roman Empire. So unborn Jesus could fulfill prophecy. So unborn Jesus would be born in Nazareth. That's our God. He's here. Another one that comes to mind uh, for me is from chapter 3. Uh, and it is that story again of, of where Jesus was, you know, staying in the temple. And there, in particular, we're told, it took them three days. And in three days, Jesus was found. Now, doesn't that kind of reflect a similar resurrection story that we're told about, that we know about? Jesus rose again on the third day. That's Jesus. That's my God. There are so many gems. One gem that I often refer to or, or think about myself is, is when I think of Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. But one of the things that reminds me that I know he is with me is because there's a shadow. Because what is needed to create a shadow? Light. So at the end of this valley, the light of Jesus is there because he's created that shadow and I'm just going to keep going towards him. Gems. Gems in the word. Let's try this next one. Okay, who's brave? And we'll read 
the genealogy. <laughs> With zeal and gusto. Because we all love the genealogy, right, when it comes to the word. Don't count on me to get all this right, though. <laughs> Okay, so now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, son of Heli, son of Mathat, son of Levi, son of Melchi, son of Janai, son of Joseph, the son of Mathias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Elsai, the son of Nagai, the son of Math, the son of Mathias, the son of Simeon, the son of Josek, the son of Jodah, the son of Jonan, the son of Resa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, the son of Nerai, the son of Melchi, the son of Adai, the son of Kosim, the son of El Elmadam, El Elmadam, the son of Er, the son of Joshua, the son of Eliza, the son of Joram, the son of Mathat the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. <laughs> there is a lot. There is a lot. And it's getting pretty dry. Or is it? <laughs> now, I just want to say, by the way, that, you know, because sometimes it can be brought up to you that, uh, well, the genealogies don't, genealogies don't match, right? But uh, I just want to make clear that... Uh, when the genealogies were shared in the four Gospels, well, two of them share them, Matthew was portraying Jesus as the king of the Jews. So the way that he portrayed the genealogy was through the line of kings, from Abraham through to David and then followed the kings. Uh, Mark uh, presents Jesus as a servant of all. So in those days, the servants don't have a genealogy, so we don't have one. Luke here, uh, he presents Jesus as uh, the son of man. So he decides to share the genealogy through the human bloodline, from Mary through to Adam. Uh, and then John uh, presents um, Jesus as the son of God, uh, who was here from the very beginning. So again, no requirement for a genealogy. But here it is in Luke. And there must be a reason. Why? Is there a gem that needs to be discovered, almost like an Easter egg hunt? Well, if we look, and I'm going to just share it with you because uh, I don't know how we're doing for time. But there are 10 generations from Adam to Noah. Right? Okay. Uh, and there's something special that we find Jesus in, in this. Now, here's the list of names, uh, as we can see, in particular order, but reversed, for, so traveling from Adam. And in Hebrew, using the meanings of their names, we find a message unfolding before us, just as it must have been for those who witnessed it at the time. In the culture, names were really important, and, and they could often speak a story or a message. So here's how it translates in Hebrew from Adam to Noah. Man appointed mortal sorrow the blessed God shall come down, teaching his death shall bring the despairing rest. When was man appointed mortal sorrow? It was at the fall with Adam when he sinned. And the blessed God shall come down. Well, 
who came down from heaven? Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He taught. He taught that his death would bring the despairing rest. Here in Luke 3, also in Genesis 5, we have God's plan of redemption spelled out. How cruel is our God? No man can plan this stuff. right? When we're talking about ten generations in those days, you can't stack it together. It's thousands of years. Abraham lived for 175 years. Adam, 930. Methuselah made it to 969. There is no way that man puts this together. And then some of us think, you know, we're at an age where we can retire. Well, you don't know the number of years that you have. And I mean that in a good way. You know, often we can speak about it as, you know, it is short and it is short compared to Methuselah. But we don't know. So there is no retirement in the kingdom of God. I just want to say that now. (laughs) But my point is that this signpost or with this signpost, I just want to remind and encourage you that there is always so much more to discover about Jesus in the word. There is always more. And that's why we are renewed. Never let ourselves get into a space where we think we know all there is to know about a relationship with God. Keep on fueling a desire to seek him because you will always discover something new. Seek with all your heart and be childlike in that. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep on just seeking with every verse. Why? Why is this here, Lord? Why is this genealogy here, Lord? Holy Spirit, reveal to me the gem that is to be discovered, the gem that will lead me to finding Jesus, the gem that will cause my spirit to leap for joy. I believe with all of my spirit that we will find Jesus in your Sabbaths when you spend time seeking him in the garden that is his word. (laughs) Sorry, I just really (laughs) exhort it. Believe it. Hold on to it. Use it. What a gift we have. The early church didn't have access to this, but we do. So when it's dry, when you don't know what to think, When you're going blank, just let him speak. In fact, maybe that's why he allows us in journeys of going blank. So we stop talking. I didn't know what to think anymore. So Lord, I need you to fill my head with what is yours. And he did that for me at the end of this journey. So there is a bit of a warning here. Because I will say that sometimes you're going to discover gems that will lead you to Jesus, but you just won't want to hear them. Okay, and I think all of you know what I mean. You're not going to like it, but you know in your spirit, okay, Lord, this is your word for me. And this is where he led me at the end of this journey at Luke 6, right? Where 
It's that one where he speaks about loving your enemies, the challenges in life. You all know it, even though we all ignore it. But we say, oh, he says, love your enemies, do good to those you hate, bless those who curse you. But then he got to the sentence, if you love those who love you, and you know I love you, what benefit is that to you? As soon as I heard those words, I heard Jesus rebuke me, saying in no uncertain terms, love the one that you're struggling to like. And I was really struggling. (laughs) He revealed in one sour sentence his purpose for me. As I sought him, as I asked him to reveal with open heart, blank mind, not putting any parameters, why I'm going through a journey that he has me going through at the moment. And in that, of course, again, a bit of a teaching moment, I did the usual cross-checks, the double-check, the triple-check. Are you sure, Lord? Is this really what you're saying to me? Does it line up with Scripture? Yes. Does it honor God alone? Yes, yes. Is it loving and for the other person? Triple check. So it lined up. And the Spirit just convicted me in that moment to do according to His purpose, not my own purpose in this current journey. So do that. I know that many of us are going through challenging times at the moment, confusing times. Seek God. You will find him. But when you're struggling to find a way, well, just remember the ways that he's already given us with each other, in the church, in his scripture. It's simple. But how quickly we forget the ways sometimes when we're just immersed in what the, God, what, what the world is calling us to do. So I just want to be that reminder, like a neon signpost, to turn back. Find Jesus. Be the community that he hopes us to be, with hearts that are always in finding Jesus mode. And I look forward then, because we're going to be in that preset, to all the new stuff that Jesus will do in our lives and for the community, because that's when we're really going to Be released, I feel, for his purpose for us as a church. Amen.